by the message of an angel, may, by his passion and cross, be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. Good afternoon. It is the Good News Show on this beautiful March 13th, 2023, here uh, on the Guadalupe Radio Network, KTH 910 AM. I'm Dave Palmer, along with the whole crew here in studio. We've got a very, very packed show and some <clears throat> really, really interesting information to pass along to you. In fact, when's the last time you heard live on KTH 910 AM a national championship winning college football coach live? on the radio with us, okay? That's actually going to happen at about 12.40 uh, this afternoon, just here in about 40 minutes. And uh, Lou Holtz is going to join us along with the entire, well, the CPLC team talking about their March 25th uh, Bishop's Pro-Life Banquet. And we got a lot of people. The MC is going to be on with us, Lou Holtz, who is their keynote speaker. And so that will be in the second half. Curtis Stephen from St. Anne's Parish is our musical guest and he is going to be in studio with us, and he also uh, is going to, I think, perform a song, because he's going to be the musical artist at the, this event. So uh, it's really exciting. Uh, I'm going to be the Pro-Life Person of the Year Award recipient. I'm really uh, just honored about that. So that's second half. Uh, in a few minutes, we are going to uh, play an interview that we recorded last week uh, that I wanted to uh, you to hear, because it's... Uh, an interesting news about uh, one of our local parishes, St. Philip the Apostle, which happens to be Sissel's Parish. By the way, hi, Sissel. Hello, how are you <laughs> kinda, doing? Kinda, just kind of ran, ran <laughs> with it here. There's so much happening right yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah. Uh, so Sissel is running the board, doing all the social media, and because we're in a new studio and a new office, and everything's a little bit crazy right now. Okay, we got <laughs> we got to be honest about that. Uh, William Kirkendall is our wonderful high school intern, does a lot around here. So welcome, William. How Thank you doing? You. I'm doing well. Good to see you. He's got a big speech tournament this uh, week. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right? Starting Thursday so, through Saturday. So pray yeah. for him. Yes, please. He's already qualified for regionals, he and his sister, and so, but uh, this is a pretty big deal, mm-hmm. and so... Uh, we'll, we'll keep that in prayer yeah, as well. You. And so, uh, anyway, so St. Philip the Apostle Parish and uh, Flower Mound, Sissel's Parish, uh, is getting this new uh, pipe organ. And last week we interviewed the pastor, Father Raymond McDaniel, and their music director, uh, Dr. Catherine Schmitz, about this. And this is a big deal. I had no idea that a pipe organ could have, like, 4,000 pipes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's I just insane. can't even imagine why why uh, you would, every single pipe would have to do something a little bit different, different size. Yes. It's amazing. Make it different sound slightly. I I have very small grasp of the concept of it, but yeah. it sounds amazing. The one, like, the organs I've heard, I've not heard this one yet, obviously, because it's not open quite yet. But. Yeah, and if you didn't need all 4,000, and but right now they've got about 2,300, because right. it's they're, they're doing it in phases, but I think you'll really find this interview interesting. Again, it's pre-recorded. We played it as an interview of the week, but uh, we just love St. Philip the Apostle Parish. We always talk about how uh, almost every single year they buy the most car raffle tickets. Father McDaniel has been incredibly supportive, 
And it's Sissel's Parish, and so we're going to play that. Say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, A few things before we get to that. uh, uh, We've got a Sherathon that starts next Tuesday in about eight days, right? Yes, we do. Spring Sherathon. I love the theme. I love it, too. Uh, uh, Celebrating Mother Angelica. Let me me ask, not to put you on the spot, William, but I'm just, (laughs) because you're a young guy, you're a high school... Are, is, does Mother Angelica? I mean, do you know who she who she is? Or yeah. do, I mean, do you know about her? Yeah, yeah, I do. We I used to listen to her uh, her show on EWTN. Like when I was back into radio during COVID, I would listen to it all the time. She's okay. very very comedic, very interesting. And yeah, I remember that day when uh, I believe it was my mom or dad or both when they announced that she had passed away on I believe it was Easter Sunday yeah, a couple of years amazing. ago. I was yeah. like, oh wow, so. You know, and there's there was talk about you know maybe she one day will be a canonized saint. So mm-hmm. yeah, I do know about her. I've listened to her her show that she did back in the '90s. So yeah, yeah it was yeah. Yeah, so uh, next month, uh, I think it's April 22nd, don't quote me on that, would, would have been her 100th birthday. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And so it, it's really brilliant. We always seem to come up with cool themes for the share So next week, Tuesday through Friday, we're on 12 hours a day, you know, 7A to 7P, raising funds to keep Catholic Radio on the air. So please be generous. Be the and first caller. really, really good incentives this time around, by the way. I just yeah. want to say that. Yeah. Can I just mention the one real quick? Oh, yeah, it's, please it's something do. that we haven't done. I think we've it, done it before, but it's been a while. Uh, every single donation of any size is going to be entered into a drawing for two people to go to a pilgrimage um, at to Alabama where EWTN is founded, yeah, which is yeah. a pretty special thing. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely, you know. Yeah, and sure then we'll have the regular pilgrimage with yes. uh, Select International Tours, yep. and that's a little harder to get into. Yes. you got to yeah, do $1,500, yeah. but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's exciting. And also, everybody who donates anything next week is going to be given a digital downloadable interview that I did with five people who knew Mother Angelica best. And these are people that worked with her, like uh, the, the the current chairman of the board and CEO, Michael Warsaw of mm-hmm. EWTN, the president, Doug Keck, Johnette Williams, Father Mitch Pacwa, and Tom Price, who's director of programming for EWTN. Each of them kind of came with a different perspective, you know, her humor, her attention to detail, you know, just this. Some very sweet stories. Too. Yeah. And uh, and I will say it, it ends really well because Johnette uh, talks about a personal uh encounter she had with Mother Angelica and and it's really didn't plan it this way but the very end's really cool so you got to listen to the very end because <laughs> it uh, just gets better and better as it goes along uh Let's see. So that's next week, uh, Spring Sherathon. Uh, please call in, be generous, and uh, we really need the support. Uh, last weekend, we had a, a parish open up its doors for us to come and visit. Yes, uh, it would be St. Francis of Assisi in Grapevine, a beautiful parish uh, right there, right by the Gaylord. It's tucked away in a neighborhood. Um, I got to go there for one of the masses, but really I want to thank two of our ambassadors, which mm-hmm. we can talk a little bit about, but who uh, set this up. So Glenn Hendry, who is a parishioner at St. Francis of Assisi, a longtime parishioner, very well-loved and well-known there, um, set it up with, along with his son, Greg Hendry. They were a two-man team, uh, and Greg did all the uh, talks uh, at the parish, and he did a really good job. He made it kind of humorous, um, and I was able to be there on Saturday evening to uh, stand by the table. We had a lot of people come up and say, oh, I- I'm going to try listening to this now, or I I'm, I'm, I love listening to it for years. Some people signed up for our email list, lots of bumper stickers taken. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was just a, one of those things we just wanted to remind people, hey, 
Catholic radio is out here and uh, to tune in, especially I feel like during the Lenten season is a pretty good time, too, because sometimes people are, you know, taking out certain things in their regular routine and adding things mm-hmm. in like Catholic yeah. radio. Yeah. So. so thanks to the pastor who is uh, Father, Father Sojin. Yeah. Father Sojin George and also the Procure Vicar, Father Mel Besselu. And I know you saw uh, one of his masses. He's yep. known as the backpack priest because he <laughs> often when he talks uh, to children during his homily, he'll have a backpack and he'll have a little surprise for them at the end. Which, which is pretty clever, and so thanks to them and you know Father Sojin for uh, allowing us to be out there. Uh, and I want to speaking of teams, uh, you to talk about a, a father son team. There, uh, there's a father daughter team that is speaking this week at St. Michael's in Bedford. Uh, Michael Hoffman and his daughter uh, Allie. And uh, we just, my, my wife and daughter went last night, and it was just, I wasn't there, but they said it was just absolutely amazing about the domestic church, about, uh, I don't know, just, if you can get out to St. Michael's in Bedford tonight at 7 o'clock, uh, I, I promise you, you won't regret it. Uh, my, my 14-year-old daughter really enjoyed it, and my wife, and so it's a Lenten mission just about evangelization and being alive in the faith. And uh, Michael and Allie are just dynamic. They're a father daughter team, and yeah. uh, they they have a video. They have a video on you know, like YouTube that got like a million hits. Yes, you know? they were dancing. <laughs> uh, but we got about a, a minute. Do you want to talk about the ambassador program real yeah, quickly? Yeah, absolutely. So the ambassador program is a program that we are starting here in DFW to basically just get everyone, every Catholic, every non-Catholic, to know that Catholic Radio exists here in North Texas. So if you want to be an ambassador, you would be given a deanery or part of a deanery to kind of be your group of parishes that you will go out to and meet with um, the pastors, find out how we can help them promote their events, and also if we can come in maybe once a year and talk about Catholic Radio because they can have materials on standby if anyone asks about us, like bumper stickers. Basically, we don't want anyone in DFW, and there's lots of new people coming in and lots of old people who still haven't heard about uh, Catholic Radio to know that we exist and are a resource. And if they're interested, they should contact you, right? Cecil? Yeah. And how about just KTH yeah. at grnonline.com, okay? Because nobody knows how to spell Sissel. <laughs> William doesn't even know how to spell Sissel. No, you, you do. S-I-S-S-E-L. Uh, all right. Well, thanks, Sissel. Thanks, William, uh, for being here. And uh, Diane is here as well, but she's not, you know, uh, she's not in studio with us. All right. So here is the interview. I, I mentioned a moment ago, St. Philip the Apostle Parish in Flower Mound has a brand new pipe organ. In fact, they have a brand new church. And this is a conversation I had with Father Raymond McDaniel, the pastor, and also the director of music. Dr. Catherine Schmitz. Father McDaniel, let me start with you. And uh, if you could just, you know, the, the pipe organ is part of a, a larger project of building this brand new church. And I pass by it every, most days as I drive my kids to school. Tell us about the church overall and how the pipe organ kind of fits into the, the, the big master plan. Well, we built this new, started to build this campus, you know, uh, last year we've built phase one of our beautiful new church. Actually, goes back further than that, as you know, because it's a project that really reaches back about eight years. We were outgrowing the previous location in Louisville and uh, being here in southern Denton County, which is one of the fastest-growing parts of our country, we needed to be prepared for the future and to carry out our mission of evangelizing and so forth. So we bought 40 acres um, and began construction right as COVID hit. <laughs> but uh, God's providence got us through all that, and uh, we dedicated 
the new church uh, last year on February 22nd. Yeah, great time to be building a new church, huh? <laughs> As uh, a pandemic you know, hits, huh? <laughs> yeah. God took uh, care of us. You know, we, we had a few of the typical delays, but we, we made it with, with the grace of God. So. Yeah, and uh, I'm going to bring Dr. Schmitz into the conversation in just a second, but Father McDaniel, uh, what is a pipe organ, and uh, why was it important for you uh, to make this part of the, the plan for the construction of the new church? Well, a pipe organ, you know, is uh, really a key part of the Catholic liturgy. If you go back to the Second Vatican Council and earlier earlier documents, it says that, uh, you know, this is the organ that, um, after the human voice, most suitably, you know, takes the, the musical lead in, in, in the Catholic liturgy. So um, while some alternatives, you know, can sometimes suffice, we wanted to give our very best to God and... Um, and give him a, a suitable instrument to sing his praises and lead people to participate in, in the way that they can in the Mass and um, and to glorify God. So we're pretty excited about it. Pipe organs, as I'm sure Dr. Smith will talk more about later, you know, do this in a way that, um, that nothing else can. So uh, we're really excited about all this and um, looking forward to its um, uh, debut at Easter. Yes, it's definitely very exciting. And Dr. Schmitz, uh, you've been at St. Philip's for the last few years. I'm trying to remember what exact year that you came, but can you talk a little bit about your background and how you came to be in Texas at St. Philip the Apostle? Sure. Um, so I'm actually born and raised in Texas in the Houston area and um, left the state for graduate school. Um, I did my master's in sacred music at the University of Notre Dame and then went to the University of Kansas for my um, doctorate in church music. And I finished that in 2017. And I was living, working part-time at a Catholic church in Kansas City. And um, always had in the back of my mind of getting getting my feet back into Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I saw, you know, the St. Philip job posting open up. And I said, well... Maybe I'll apply. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it really was, you know, God's providence that uh, brought me and my family here, and we're very happy to be here. So I um, started as a director of music here at St. Philip's in September of 2020. And uh, Dr. Schmitz, I, uh, congratulations. I mean, it must be a, a dream job to, to be able to be there at the parish at this time as this organ is being built. Can you talk about the organ itself? I went online on the, the, the parish website, stphilipcc.org, and uh, it's an Opus 3946, and I just was blown away by the pictures and how many <laughs> pipes it has. Can, can you tell us what's about the organ itself and what's unique about it? Sure. Um, so the you're right. So the opus is three nine four six, which means which means that it's the three thousand nine hundred and forty six pipe organ that this company has built. Casavant is the name of the organ, is the name of the company, the pipe organ company that's building the organ, and they have built the entire thing in their workshop. So all the pipes, all the woodworking, all the components they do in house and ship it down here. It came on the truck. <laughs> hmm. And um, they, it has 2,313 pipes. So quite a, quite a few pipes. <laughs> I'd say. Um, and uh, it's, this has been kind of a unique project because just like our church is 
the church building is phase one, so the organ is also the first phase of the organ. So it will be uh, a two-manual instrument, which means it has two keyboards um, in addition to the pedals. That's typical for a pipe organ. Um, and so it has pipes to match those different divisions. I'm trying not to get too technical. <laughs> but, um, and so that that's going to fill our current building wonderfully and just have a glorious sound. Uh, and then plans are in place when the church building is completed, when we expand the church. So then we'll also go back and expand the pipe organ because it's not quite finished. We're getting this new organ and it's kind of, it, it'll be, a, it will be, um, it will have what it needs <laughs> to, uh, you know, to fulfill its role in supporting congregational singing and um, accompanying the choir. Uh, but it's not quite finished. There's no case around the outside, and that's all going to be part of the second phase of the instrument. So when the building expands, we'll also expand the organ to be able to fill that larger space. Do you know how many pipes it would have in that second phase, like when it expands? Because, you know, it's already got like 2,300 <laughs> pipes now. Yeah. Is there a number of that? The, the total number is TBD, but it'll be upwards of 4,000. Wow. Wow, that's, that's amazing. Father McDaniel, how unique is a pipe organ like this in North Texas? Are there other churches, either Dallas or Fort Worth or Tyler Diocese, that have something like this? Or how unique is it? Well, in one way, um, you know, it's a custom-made pipe organ, so it's it's perfectly unique. It was designed for us and the, our needs here at St. Philip's and the uh, dimensions of the room, the cubic volume, the acoustics, and so forth. So each each pipe organ is sort of its own unique thing. And they have a personality, you know. Some uh, have a French accent, some have an English accent, <laughs> uh, American organs sort of try to be eclectic and do everything. This one uh, has a little bit of a French accent because of the importance of organs in the Catholic Church in France, which gave rise to a lot of incredible organ music and um, a great tradition of using the organ in the liturgy and teaching it and great improvisational uh, skills that French organists have and so forth. So in one sense, it's all custom-made. Uh, particularly for us. There are a lot of great pipe organs in Dallas-Fort Worth, actually, but ours is going to be um, taking its place among the very best. Mm. That's awesome. And uh, Dr. Schmitz, I was curious, we're kind of in what's called, I think, the voicing stage of the installation. Can you kind of explain what that is? Because I thought I understood it, but I don't know if I do. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yes. So um, at this stage, the voicers are going through every single pipe, and they're tuning, but also making adjustments to um, various places on the pipe that affects the volume, how um, how the sound speaks in the room. Uh, sometimes they can affect timbre slightly. Um, and so they're kind of making all these adjustments both to the individual pipes and then kind of in relation to the other pipes to create a very even sound. 
And uh, Dr. Schmiss, how, how many people are able to play this? Uh, um, somebody that knows how to play a piano can't necessarily play an organ like this. Is that right? I, I'm, I'm trusting you know how to play it. And I think Cecil told me, uh, Father McDaniel, you uh, can play an organ as well. So do you have to hire new people for masses or who, who will be the organists? Yes, so uh, I'm the principal organist at St. Philip's. I play for four of the six masses, and then I have an assistant, uh, Catherine Troush. Uh, she's my assistant organist, and so then she covers the other two masses on the weekend. Uh, and yes, you're exactly right. There is quite a difference between the piano and the organ. It's similar in that they both have keys, uh, but that's pretty much where the similarities stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. I, I've stared at an organ many times and I have absolutely no idea how it works. I mean, I've, I've even had people explain it to me and I still don't quite understand. I'm curious, Dr. Katie, uh, like Dr. Schmitz, where you originally found your love for organ um, playing since you decided to, you know, study it and now it's your job. Uh, when that first happened for you? Yes. Uh, well, the church. Um, I really... We had a wonderful organist at my home parish growing up, and I loved to hear him play. And when I was 12, I was sent to what's called a pipe organ encounter camp at Rice University. And it's basically a week-long camp where you're kind of learning about the organ and playing the organ. And after that, I went back to the organist at my church and said, please teach me how to play this. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I should mention, too, I'd, I had been studying piano for several years by this point. So um, that was a natural introduction then to get into the organ. And I started lessons, and when I uh, went to undergrad, I went to Trinity University, I was uh, kind of got back into the organ and was discerning and really kind of fell in love and realized that this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And so I pursued that sacred music path that led me to where I am today. Yeah, praise God. We are speaking to the pastor of St. Philip the Apostle Catholic Church in Flower Mound, Father Raymond McDaniel, and also uh, his director of music, Dr. Catherine Schmitz. A lot of uh, very exciting things happening at the parish these days. You can vi visit the parish website, stphilipcc.org, and probably ways you can donate because they are doing big things and uh, building a brand new church in several phases. And so please visit that website and check it out and, uh, and consider that perhaps is your parish home and also support them. We're talking about a, a new organ that is called the Opus 3946 that is going to be unveiled uh, Easter uh, of this year. And Father McDaniel, uh, as of this recording, we're about a month, almost exactly a month away from, from Easter. And I'm just wondering how you know exciting the, the congregation is, the parishioners, what kind of feedback and comments are you getting from people in the parish about uh, the big unveiling on Easter Sunday? People seem really excited, you know, and I think it's it's good. We we try to pay special attention to sacred music around here. And um, actually, I was stopped in the hallway the other day by a kid who was obviously coming out of youth group and um, never really talked to him before. But um, he must have been like 15 or something like that. And um, he kept asking me all these questions about it. So I was pretty pleased <laughs> that the message was getting down even to uh, teenagers. 
Uh, yeah, he he I asked him if he's you know he's involved in music in his school band or whatever and um yeah he's he's excited and I think there's a broad range of people that are very excited and to learn how it works too which is it's such a complicated and interesting uh, process how the pipe organ actually works and um people people are thrilled I think they will be on Easter Sunday for sure. That's awesome. And uh, you kind of touched on the importance of uh, sacred music, Father McDaniel. And I know I've had Dr. Schmitz on one of uh, my local shows, and we did a thorough discussion all about why the organ is kind of like the church's preferred method of music. And if you want, maybe Dr. Schmitz, you could kind of like highlight that conversation just a little bit about why we have the church has set up in a certain way that the organ is has a special place. Um, and I guess the church's heart. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, um, a big part of it is the way that a pipe organ makes sound. Uh, it is very similar to the human voice. So our human voice are, are, is our primary instrument to praise God, right? Because it's, it's, our, it's ours and it's, God gave it to us. Um, so our human voice is primary. And then the pipe organ, just as we breathe and uh, expel air to sing, the pipe organ works in very similar way. Air is blown through the pipe that then speaks. Uh, and so, um, it's, it's, it's kind of a, almost like a breathing, a living breathing instrument in that way and that the use of the wind and the air to, to make the sound. Uh, and so because, because of that, um, kind of mimicking of the human voice, uh, it is more, Suited than for accompanying the human voice, uh, and also too, you know, in um, it's very clear as Father mentioned in the Second Vatican Council and other church documents that the pipe organ has this primary um, place. And just if you look throughout liturgical history as well, the pipe organ has retained um, has was introduced into the liturgy. Uh, Ninth, tenth century ish, something like that, um, and uh, had been used again for accompanying the human voice, and it has retained that status throughout the centuries. And Father McDaniel, you, you mentioned Easter Sunday being the the big unveiling of the the pipe organ, the first liturgy that it'll be used. Uh, and then y'all y'all also said that you're going to be continuing to build on the pipe organ in the church. Do you have any? Uh, can you share with our listeners the timeline of when you expect uh, the pipe organ to be finished, and maybe even the the church itself to be completed? Well, those two things will, of course, go together. That's a pretty pretty big undertaking. Um, our next phase of developing our campus is going to be a parish hall with some uh, a good number of religious ed classrooms attached because as we've moved out here, we've experienced a lot of growth, and uh, especially in religious education and the numbers there. So this is the next need of our parish. So that's sort of the phase two. We're getting started with that right now. And then um, hopefully after a few years, we'll be able to think about finishing the church and finishing the organ. Very nice. And I, I just want to ask our listeners, anybody who's listening right now, uh, to support this, if you can, uh, I will say, and we've said this many times on the air, there, there is not a more supportive parish, uh, that I, that we know of than St. Philip for Guadalupe Radio Network as far as our car raffle and, uh, tithing. And so we're very, very grateful to you, Father McDaniel, for your support of Guadalupe Radio Network. And we'd like, we'd ask our listeners to also support your effort. Uh, is there any information as far as how people can do that or the need or anything that you'd like to share as far as what's, what's, what's going to take to finish? this 
Well, we're like I mentioned, we're, our next uh, phase two project is going to be the parish hall uh, we're, with the religious ed classrooms. We're working on that right now, and our website uh, gives lots of information about that and uh, about ways that people might be able to support the parish and also, of course, support Catholic Radio. And uh, Dr. Schmitz, the I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to come and see it, uh, for, especially after Easter, and maybe get a tour. Uh, there's a lot to, to talk about. Will you be giving tours, or is that something people can call you about and say, hey, would I like to bring my homeschool group or my, my family by? Or uh, Tell us about that. Is that an option? Yes, absolutely. That's something that we've been discussing of, uh, of having having um, specific times for tours that people can sign up or, you know, if people, you know, people can also reach me personally and, and, and arrange that. But yes, absolutely. I'd be very happy to give tours and to show off this beautiful instrument. We've so Dave, about- we have a, um, oh, sorry, no, Dave, go ahead. but I wanted to mention, sorry, Cecil, I wanted to mention that we have uh, one of the world's great organists, uh, coming here on May the 19th, I believe it is. Is that right, Katie? That's yes. um, the, the one of the organists of Notre Dame in Paris to give oh, wow. the inaugural public recital. And his name is Vincent Dubois. And it's uh, kind of really uh, incredible, wonderful organist. And so he'll be able to show it off. People are certainly invited to come to that. And he'll certainly really, uh, relate to re- uh, rebuilding a church. Or <laughs> I know that's, they've got that same process going on there. Oh, that, that's very exciting. And we would love to come out and do a live remote broadcast uh, in, in conjunction with that, if not earlier, if that's possible. But uh, anyway, well, so I know you had wonderful. a question. Yeah. Oh, I was just wondering, you're talking about the debut being Easter. Is it going to be the Easter Vigil Mass is the first time that it's played? I just need a plan, you know, for personal purposes, what mass I need to show up to. <laughs> yes, the Easter Vigil is where the organ will be highlighted. Ooh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I just, uh, I don't know how many people are, uh, how are you going to do crowd control for Easter uh, weekend? Because uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are just going to want to be out there. You know, prisoner, do, you, do you expect, Father McDaniel, a lot of non-prisoners to be coming out for this occasion on Easter weekend? Uh, you know, we always get a lot of extra people, like every parish, on Easter, and it's wonderful to see them coming. Um, you know, we, we always think about crowd control on Christmas and Easter, and then we're <laughs> going to put people, because we have such a wonderful, wonderful response, and I hope that uh, the organ will inspire them, and I know it will. Um, you know, there's something, there's something particularly valuable spiritually about trying to sing God's praises. You know, we, we say words, and we pray in words, and we repeat the creed and the other parts of the mass and so forth, but something can reach down deeper into the heart and soul. I think when we try to when we try to sing God's praises, and you know, Saint Augustine is credited, maybe maybe accurately or not, I'm not sure, about saying something like, "If you sing, you sort of pray twice." <laughs> but there's a truth in that, no matter who said it, right? Mm-hmm. And um, music can can um, like all the all those things that we we know that we sing because we learned them a long time ago, and they're they're sort of in our heart. And I believe that's. Part of the part of the uh, effectiveness of of sacred music. Yeah, for sure. Um, I want to thank you. We're down to our last few minutes here. I've been speaking to Father Raymond McDaniel, the pastor of St. Philip the Apostle Catholic Church in Flower Mound, and also Dr. Catherine Schmitz, the director of music at the parish. The address is 5201 Cross Timbers Road in Flower Mound, 75022. It's a beautiful, beautiful church from the outside and inside. Uh, I invite everybody to visit the website. It's stphilipcc.org, stphilip cc.org and Father McDaniel will give you the last word and perhaps you could uh, impart a blessing to those who are listening as well. Anything else uh, 
uh, other than an invitation, if people want to come early on the Easter vigil, about two or three hours before the mass starts, and get a seat, or uh, well, what else would you like to tell our listeners about this exciting uh, news for, for the parish? I think I'd like to just uh, invoke a great speaker and great musician himself, and a very saintly man, our former. Uh, recently deceased Pope Benedict XVI, who said that the possibilities of the organ in some way remind us of the immensity and magnificence of God. And this is what we're all about at the end of the day anyway, right? Glorifying God and um, helping each other to become saints. And in all these ways that we do that, sacred music, organs can do that. And that's my prayer, and that's my wish for all of your listeners who ask Almighty God to bless in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you to both of you, Cecil. Great uh, working with you here, <laughs> tag teaming on this interview. We've been really excited about this for I'm a long very time. I uh, also want to thank Diane Xavier. She's been running the board. And also Sarah Fritcher, our, the Director of Communications there at St. Philip the Apostle Parish. And she's the one that arranged all this and got it all set up. And I know she's listening. So, Sarah, thank you very much uh, for your work. Uh, Father McDaniel, thank you for your continued support of uh, the, the station. And uh, Dr. Schmitz, we appreciate your time uh, today as well. Thank you for being with us. Thank Thanks, you. Dave. Always great to be with you. Father Larry Richards, a popular conference speaker, pastor from Erie, Pennsylvania, and founder of the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, will conduct a four-day parish mission at St. Mary Catholic Parish in Sherman. The purpose of the mission is to help people grow in their love for God and give them hope and direction in their daily lives. The event takes place from March 13th through March 16th from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Call 903-893-5148. That's 903-893-5148. Do you need a new branding strategy that allows you to educate and engage with your local community while building trust and credibility? Decided Excellence Catholic Media offers a very unique branding platform which showcases you as the expert in your industry. Our exclusive publications are open, read, kept, and shared with thousands of readers and communities throughout Texas and nationwide. To learn more about our powerful branding solutions, please contact Doreen Chaney at dchaney at decidedexcellence.com. That's D-C-H-A-N-A-Y at decidedexcellence.com. Hello, my name is Bill Mertz. My wife Liz and I own Master Tech Auto Repair in Plano. We're proud sponsors of Catholic Radio. Our family has been parishioners of St. Gabriel's and McKinney for many years. Master Tech is a full-service auto repair. From oil changes to complete engine replacement, our transmission service. We're located just across the street from St. Mark's Parish in Plano. You can contact us at 972-578-1841 or www.mastertechplano.com. Thank you, and may you have a blessed day. If you're over the age of 18, baptized, have received First Communion, and have not celebrated the Sacrament of Confirmation and wish to do so, St. Joseph Catholic Church in Richardson invites you to register for Spring Adult Confirmation classes starting Friday, April 28th at the parish. The classes take place from 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. in the church facilities room 125 PC. Confirmation will be celebrated at the Saturday Vigil of Pentecost Solemnity on May 27th. To register, email alfredors at stjosephcc.net. It is 12.34 now. Here is, uh, it's the Good News Show live here in our new studios in Las Colinas. And uh, second Monday of the month means we turn it over to the Catholic Pro-Life Community team. And boy, have they got a lot to talk about today. Just uh, want to remind you, a week from Saturday, the 25th of March, is the 30th Annual Bishop's Pro-Life Dinner benefiting the CPLC at the Renaissance Addison Hotel. Go to ProLifeDallas.org to get your tickets. And uh, we have in studio with us 
Uh, Frank Gonzalez, Director of Marketing and Communications, and I'm pretty much going to hand it over to you, Frank, because you got a lot to talk about in the next 25 minutes. So <laughs> Thank uh, thanks for being here. Thank you, Dave. Thank you again for having us. Um, yeah, this is going to be an action-packed uh, event today, our show today. We've got uh, a couple of really big-name guests going to be with us, and then when, and we also have a, another gentleman in studio with us as well. Uh, and this is going to be a, a uh, Bishop's Dinner intensive program today. <laughs> so as you mentioned, it's, it's uh, next Saturday night, March the 25th, at the Renaissance Dallas Addison Hotel. Uh, of course, uh, our honorary chairs that we met last month were uh, Dr. and Mrs. Joseph Behan. Uh, our featured speaker will be Coach Lou Holtz, and we're actually going to have Lou on the phone with us in just a couple of moments. Uh, our MC for the evening is a former player of Coach Holtz. His name is Reggie Brooks. Uh, he um, is the uh, executive director of Holtz's Heroes. He will also be joining us by phone in a, in a few moments. And here in studio with us is uh, our musical guest for the evening, Curtis Steven. Frank, it's good to see you. Thank you. Thank you again for being here, Curtis. We're going to hear more from you in just a little bit. We may also hear uh, a song from you as well, so a little bit of entertainment. You, you never know. Stay tuned. <laughs> right? But uh, first, uh, I want to have uh, Susan Platt join us. She is our community and prayer uh, director uh, at the CPLC. She wants to, uh, she'll, we'll have her kind of start us off with a prayer and then also give us a little bit of, uh, of an update as far as uh, pro life activities. Susan, are you there? I am. All right, Susan, take it away. All right. Well, let's start out with a a prayer written by the Sisters of Life, a prayer for life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Eternal Father, source of life, open our hearts to see and desire the beauty of your plan for life and love. Fill us with your Holy Spirit so that our love will be generous and self-giving, and we may be blessed with joy. Grant us great trust in your mercy. Forgive us for not receiving your gift of life and heal us from the effects of the culture of death. Instill in us and in all people a sense of the sacredness of every human life. Inspire our efforts to protect and care for the most vulnerable, especially women who are pregnant and their unborn children, the sick and the elderly. Strengthen us in the hope that with you, nothing is impossible. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who by his cross makes all things new. Amen. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, Mother of Life, pray pray for us. us. St. Joseph, her most chaste spouse and terror of demons, pray Pray for for us. us. Thank you, Susan. All right. How about a quick uh, update on uh, what's going on and... All right, a quick legislative update. Well, Friday was the last day to file bills for this year's Texas legislative session. Uh, And the estimates were that they were going to have 300 to 500 bills filed per day last week. Uh, Every day submitting bills. Um, The total for the House, uh, the Texas House, was 6,129 bills filed. And the Senate had 2,987. That's a tremendous number of bills. Uh, and the Texas Catholic Conference of Bishops will go through all these pieces of legislation and decide where they fit in with the bishops' public policies. Uh, they'll post the bills on their website along with information giving their reasons for supporting those bills. And you can go to txcatholic.org, txcatholic.org to access this information and to sign up for the Texas Catholic Advocacy 
advocacy network so that you can get email alerts and know when you should contact your state senators and representatives to encourage them to support different legislation. So it's txcatholic.org. And as for legal updates, we're still waiting for a decision from Amarillo uh, regarding the lawsuit requesting that the court issue an order to the FDA to withdraw its approval of RU486, the abortion drug. Now, that's going to be a huge victory for life if the pro-life side wins this case. Uh, so we're, we're waiting to hear about that one. Uh, and we're all also watching another case that uh, just has come up. A Texas man has filed a lawsuit against three of his wife's friends who helped his wife to chemically abort their child by obtaining abortion pills for her. Uh, he and his wife are now divorced, and his now ex-wife is, of course, not a part of the lawsuit. But we'll be watching both of those cases and watching what happens with the Texas legislature with uh, close to 10,000 bills that they have to go through. My goodness. My goodness, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot, yes. There's so, a lot and, going on. And, and uh, again, we'll let the listeners know that um, you can, uh, as Susan mentioned, there's a place that you can go to sign up through the Texas uh, Council of, uh, of Bishops. But also, if you're signing up for our e-alerts through ProLifeDallas.org, uh, when there's time to, uh, um, you know, any kind of an action alert or something that comes through, we'll, we'll certainly notify uh, folks uh, through our e-alerts as well uh, on anything that comes up. Thank you so much, Susan, for the update today. We appreciate it. Uh, you're welcome. Thank you, Frank. You're very welcome. Now, as uh, uh, our next guest up here is going to be our uh, Master of Ceremonies for the uh, Bishop's Dinner next weekend. Uh, former player for Coach Holtz is Reggie Brooks, and he is the Executive Director of Holtz's Heroes. Reggie, thanks for uh, being with us today to talk a little bit about the dinner and uh, a little bit uh, about Coach Holtz. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, look, uh, actually, I uh, was with Coach Holtz this past weekend for an event we had in Naples, and, uh, you know, he was in rare form. He's one of the better speakers you'll ever find. And, um, you know, he was my coach for four years, but uh, even beyond that, uh, he's been a a mentor in a lot of respect, so I have a lot of respect for Coach Holtz and uh, a lot of love. The 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 respect that that he that you have for him, the mentorship that you said that he gave to you, that's the big inspiration behind Holtz's heroes, isn't it? Exactly, and it's uh, focused on um, a, a brotherhood that was developed, and the mantra is love, trust, and commitment. And you know, we always talk about. You know, do you care about people? Um, are you trustworthy? And are you committed to excellence? And this is, you know, how a lot of guys that I was around, you know, grew up and lived their lives and established themselves as husbands, fathers, uh, businessmen. Um, and and it goes beyond just uh, having played four years at an institution with some guys. This is a, a, a lifelong um, pursuit to be a good teammate, to be a good person and just do things the right way because um, we all know right from wrong and but we all know we're going to have struggles and, and go through you know hard times but it makes a difference when you have um, a group of individuals and it's not just uh, about our you know you know the former players that played it's about our spouses our children um, because it's about who we are as a community who we are as a people um, and, and building that community 
uh, one community at a time, one teammate at a time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, uh, obviously, you said you were you were a player for Coach Holtz um, back in the day there at Notre Dame. What was it about him as a person, as a coach that that was so inspiring for you that that you know made you want to work hard, that made you want to play hard uh, for him? Well, a lot of it was just the doing the little things the right way. I mean, I recall some of the, you know, minute, the minutia that he would take you through. He was a big believer in mental focus and, and mental toughness. Um, we would actually go do a, um, a visualization exercise before every game, the Friday before every game, and he would take us through scenarios of, uh, you know, a, a kickoff return or a, a run or pass or a defensive play. And I can't count the number of times that we executed those plays in the manner in which he had spoke about it the night before. And, you know, it was just the attention to detail that made the difference. And that's, you know, kind of how life is, is when you pay attention to the little things, you know, as, as a father, as a husband, you know, and I'm, I'm still learning how to do that even at 52 but just being conscious of the people around you, their needs, and how do you, you know, stress that. That was my saw with him and, and Mrs. Holtz, uh, God rest her soul. She was always someone that was so giving, caring. Um, and Coach wasn't the, the nicest guy. That's I want to be clear there. He, he, he wasn't all, you know, just, you know, he, he was tough. But in, in that toughness and that demanding excellence that made us better made us stronger and you know he, he would always talk about the importance of team over the individual and you know, i think it's you know that's something that you know we exercise even to this day speaking of the uh the the strong man that you're just talking about i we, we now have coach lou holtz on the line with us uh coach holtz thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes today to talk to us a little bit about the dinner and about your uh, appearance next weekend here in dallas well, thank you. Looking forward to being with you. Uh, tell us a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, coming to Dallas, what we can expect when your presentation next week, your, your little talk to us, and, and how, you, how we can take that message and, uh, and, and use it towards the pro-life cause, to use it towards everyday life. Um, well, I, first of all, if there's no money, there's no cause. So we have to make sure that we have money that's connected. <laughs> We have to be the voice for the unknown. Uh, the mother gets an opportunity to decide whether the baby lives or dies. And we have to be the voice for, for the unborn. I've always been a proponent of it. I think that uh, it's unfortunate that this country has developed into a situation where all of a sudden a young born baby, which has no option whatsoever, cannot determine its future. And so we have to be the voice for the unknown. And the thing I think is important for understanding, we are the good guys. You know, we don't get money from the government like Planned Parenthood and everything else. We're the good guys regardless of what the politicians say, regardless of what the media says. We're doing God's work. Amen. Amen. Coach, uh, I have a question for you, and, and Dave Palmer, who's with us here at, uh, at uh, Catholic Radio here in Dallas, 
uh, he brought it up to me. Dave is also going to be our pro-life person of the, of the, of the year next week. And so again, congratulations. Dave. Oh, thank you. Hi, hi coach Holtz. It's an honor to talk to you. So, uh, the, oh, the question, congratulations. That, uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it very much. Uh, big fan of Notre Dame. You back in my high school and college days in the eighties. And so, uh, 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 it's an honor that you're coming on the 25th. So uh, well, it's amazing you should bring that up because this past weekend was done in Naples with so many of the former Holtz's heroes and all the different things they're trying to do to help uh, former athletes educate their children and variety of different things. So it was a great Notre Dame event as well. So I unfortunately I got some health problems from it. But I'm really looking forward to being with you on Friday. But I hope that people understand that that my skeletal muscles are a wreck. Mentally, I'm still pretty sharp. I can still see. I won't be able to stand, but I'm really looking forward to being there and sharing thoughts and ideas because I feel so strongly about this. Amen. Thank you so much, Coach. Uh, and we'll definitely, between now and next weekend, we know everybody that's listening will be praying for your health to make sure you're here and strong enough to join us. The the question that we wanted to ask was, has has your your stance on pro-life, has it changed over the years from when you were a coach to how it is now? Obviously, when you're a coach, you've got a whole lot of things that you have to worry about all the time. But is it the your your general um, ideals and, and the things that you stand for, um, you know, a, a pro-life uh, stance, does that come through to your players? Was that something that you, you preach to them? Or is that just part of your overall philosophy and how to approach life and how to approach uh, playing football? Well, it's part of my overall philosophy. I never felt that I had an obligation to tell our players what to think. I had an obligation to teach them how to think. But uh, I have been so ridiculed and blasted by media, etc., because of my strength, my strong position on this. But that isn't going to change. You aren't going to intimidate me because of things you say, etc. Uh, how do I become strong? I'm a Catholic. I was raised a Catholic. Both my grandparents were Catholic. Uh, for up until the seventh grade, when I found out there were girls, I wanted to be a priest. Strongly <laughs> about it. And, and if you look at the you look at Catholicism. They are so pro-life on it. And, and when I see politicians say, well, I'm a strong Catholic, but I want abortion, and then it goes, where does it end? They want to abort somebody even after nine months, even after he's born alive. That's not right. We have to be the voice for the unborn. And, and I tell you, I, I, I have friends that have been in this business for an awful long time, and they have sent me picture after picture of young babies that were going to be aborted, but they talked the mother into giving the child a chance and how great the mother feels about that today. And so I, I just think we have to be the voice for the unknown, but also understand we have an obligation to have a role. Some of us can speak, some of us can talk, some of us can be involved as volunteers. Others have to be investors or contributors because if there's no money, there is no project. Yep, yep. Reggie, do you have anything to add to that? Is Reggie still here with us? Did we run Reggie off? <laughs> no, no I, I want wanted to say I appreciate you know you know Coach Host never you know forced ideals on us. We you know you learn how to you know be a person and, and be responsible, be respectful, 
Um, and again, that part of that respect is respect for life. And I, uh, you know, I, I went out to the site and, you know, it's not just abortion as the only you know, aspect of it. And, you know, I, the stance that church has taken on, you know, the death penalty, you know, they're pro-life is not just a one topic deal. And that's it. And I'm, and I understand this nuance and I'm not a big, big proponent of telling others what to do, but I, you know, I have five kids, um, and I appreciate the importance of life. And, you know, I've, I've been blessed to have five kids. And that's something that's always been of importance to me because I'm a believer in legacy. And you can't have a legacy without children, or at least in my opinion. I, you know, I could be wrong. Well, there's well, no- congratulations on your five children. We have four children and all girls but two. And as I say so often, I wouldn't take a million for any one of them. But I wouldn't take a million of a fifth either. But I mean, that was just our, our <laughs> philosophy and our approach. But I heard anything greater than an innocent young child that wants them to grow and develop. And I, and I told our football players, I, I really want them to follow the things they believe. But we were never going to use our football team to do anything except promote the university and its reason for existence. That uh, if you want to go support something on your own fine we aren't going to do it as a football team and i believe that very strongly whether it be about abortion or anything else you have to follow your heart and what you do this is the decision everybody has to make but how in the world can you see a young boy child and say well it doesn't have a right to live yeah yeah well coach holtz and and reggie we thank you so much for your time today uh we so look forward to uh, next saturday night Again, uh, March the 25th at the Renaissance Dallas Addison Hotel for the 30th Annual Bishop's Pro-Life Dinner. Uh, again, Lou Holtz is our keynote speaker. Our Master of Ceremonies is Reggie Brooks. Uh, guys, thanks again for your time today, and uh, we look forward to next weekend. Uh, I want to tell you, Reggie is really something. has a beautiful family. and I, I, I speak better if we have a packed house. So please <laughs> come and bring a friend and and, and come and bring your wallet. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> you know, and, and thanks again, guys. Uh, one other big uh, component to next weekend's dinner is, of course, the musical entertainment. And locally speaking, there isn't anybody better than Curtis Stevens. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, to Curtis Stevens. Uh, you are the director of uh, music at St. Anne's Parish? Yes, I'm in St. Anne and Coppell. Texas. And, uh, of course, you're a writer, composer, uh, singer, uh, extraordinaire. And tell us a little bit about your pro-life uh, experience. I know that you come from a large family. Yeah, I grew up right here in uh, Grand Prairie, Texas, right down the road here. And, uh, you know, my mom had uh, – it's a long story, actually, and, and beautiful. But we had uh, 10 kids, grew up, grew up with 10 kids in our family, and um, – just really pro-life. One of our good friends were the Behans, uh, who we all know. And, uh, you know, we had 10 kids in our family and they had 12 and, and my dad, uh, our dads both, uh, sat in the back row, you know, being the ushers and we were the altar servers. And yeah, so it was a beautiful experience just to be part of a big family like that. What, uh, what were some of the, the, the things about, about pro-life that were maybe instilled in you as a child, obviously coming from a big family, it, it, it it's almost uh, something that that's kind of in, in ingrained in you. 
But were there any specific moments that you can remember from, from family life growing up where, where the idea of, of pro-life was being kind of fortified? Yeah, I think two things. One is just growing up as part of a big family. Um, you start realizing the world doesn't revolve around you, you know, <laughs> and that's uh, uh, being in a we did things as a group. We we always had to be thinking about each other. I think from that standpoint, uh, taking care of one another was always a big part of that. Um, whether we did that well or not, that's a whole nother thing. But um, the second thing is uh, <clears throat> my mom saw an advertisement in the uh, uh, the bulletin, the Sunday bulletin. Um, once I was in fourth grade and my younger brother and sisters were in school and my mom had some time on her hands and she saw an advertisement that said, hey, we're looking for foster families to uh, hold, basically take care of babies. And my mom was like, that is my that is my jam, you know, and my mom loves babies and she's always loved babies. And uh, there's a bigger story with that. But when she was young, uh, younger, you know, before she had 10 kids, um, she had some miscarriage and trouble having babies, you know, and uh, that was always her idea is to have a uh, family. And when my oldest sister, Alice, um, died uh, at birth, you know, her coming home and having to put away the the baby clothes was really an impactful thing. And and uh, years later, when I was at a, a at, at youth ministry, actually, we were I've been in youth ministry for years, and we were doing a life night uh, on pro life issues. And I just realized my mom always saying that uh, that was one of the hardest things for her to ever to do is to put away the put away the baby clothes. And when she said uh, and not have a baby to put in them, you know. And uh, she just said, I would always welcome a baby into my home, always, you know, and that was always very impactful to us because as we had these little babies right out of the hospital, a lot of moms in difficult situations that uh, working with Catholic Charities um, and other organizations as well later on, um, uh, it was just beautiful to be able to see a little baby and have to feed them, have changing what you know, smelling the poopy diapers and everything else, but also being able to hold and snuggle these little, uh, these little people, you know. Beautiful. Now, and, and I'm sure you're going to tell us the rest of the story about your mom at the dinner next week. I'm yes. Because yes. It, it, that, that second half of the story is amazing. I've heard, I've heard you, you tell it before. So we encourage everybody, if for no other reason, if, if Coach Holtz won't get you there, Reggie Brooks won't get you there, the second half of Curtis's story, which should definitely be uh, mm-hmm. the reason. And, and, of course, if Dave getting getting you there because he's our pro-life person of the <laughs> yeah, year. There you, go. Um, you mentioned earlier when, when you said that, that uh, holding a baby and being there for babies was your mother's jam. Uh, speaking of jams... Uh, you're gonna. Uh, we'd Good love transition. for you to. <laughs> we'd love for you to, to to play a song for us to kind of give us a taste of what we can expect next weekend, uh, next uh, Saturday night, the 25th. Well, we're in the season of Lent, and you know, we uh, as Sister prayed at the beginning. You know, we have to take up our cross and follow the Lord. Sometimes that's a difficult road. Um, sometimes that's a uh, a path that maybe uh, we can't see. Um, and but this is where the place that Christ works and the salvation of our souls uh, occurs is in these difficult moments. And standing for life, there was no one who did that better than Jesus. Standing for every one of our lives. So and uh, for us to stand up for the for the unborn, uh, for those uh, little people, those little souls. Uh, uh, this is the least we can do. So this is a little song called "Take Up Our Cross." Uh, 
Behold the wood that bears our name Behold the nails that hold us in The tree from which salvation The death by which we're born again We take up our cross path we cannot see. 